Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. This week is the sixth week of Easter, and this week we are looking at a passage from the book of Acts chapter 16, where Paul is interacting with this group of women, and it is through open hearts that lives are transformed. And so we look at this story and unpack and dive it dive into it deeper. A reminder that our services are available in their entirety on our YouTube channel, which is linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available. You can subscribe using your favorite podcasting app. Also in the podcast notes is a link to our donation. We would love it if you would help to support the mission and ministries here at Beach Grove United Methodist Church. We have an online giving donation center. If you would just follow the link in the podcast notes. Lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoy this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. This week's scripture lesson comes from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we were supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain worshiper named, a certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your message for us this day, we would grow closer to know you more, and that we would reveal our own witness of the resurrection. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, as we have uh, been on this journey with the early church, that is these uh, verses and passages from the book of Acts that we have gone through in this Easter season, my mind reflects on the lessons we have both learned and oftentimes not learned in the 2,000 years that the institutional church has existed. As I reflect on where we are as a modern-day church, I think about the way in which sometimes we, we want to do the right thing, we desire to do the right thing, we go about things with the right intentions, however, sometimes the outcome does not feel as spiritually healthy as we most wish and desire it to be. Sometimes our humanity or our our propensity for these pharisaic values gets in the way and takes over. We often neglect to consider the true heart of God that is at play in our world and in the kingdom of God. How do I know this? Because I am a pastor in the church. 
I look and I see sometimes both the best and the worst of what the church can be. And yet, as we continue to do this work, we continue to be reminded of the ways we are called into ministry together. And it's passages like this. It's passages like this passage in Acts that helps to reiterate for us this nature of listening, welcoming, and including as we seek to be a part of God's kingdom. As God's kingdom becomes better known, becomes stronger, grows, and matures in this society. And it hinges on one part of this passage that I think highlights for us how we approach and live out our ministry as well. And it's right there in verse 14. Right, the Lord opened her heart, opened Lydia's heart. And it is an open heart that will also initially lead Paul to come to Philippi to begin with. Right, if we do not leave our hearts open to who God is calling us to be, then we might miss the true nature of what it means to be the church, to live out our faith, to witness to the resurrection. Right, in 2001, the United Methodist Church adopted a catchy slogan. Does anybody know it? Open hearts, open minds, open doors. And it was, in one way, one of the greatest things they ever did, and in another way, it fell flat on its face. It's ought to take the inherent mission that we get from the biblical texts, combining it with a vision of who the Methodist church saw themselves as being, and brought it all into a cohesive unit of what it meant to be United Methodist. In the early 2000s, if you were United Methodist, you probably had this sign plastered somewhere around your church on something somewhere. Open hearts, open minds, open doors. But for many across this denomination, it just seemed to be a catchphrase that people liked to use. Now, I don't want to spend this sermon hashing out what is wrong with the United Methodist Church uh, because we all want lunch by 2 o'clock, right? That's the... Right? That's how long church lasts here, right? So I've got like another hour and a half of... No, I'm kidding. We all want to be out of here, so I'm not... But I want to state that we can quibble all we want about the fallacies or hypocrisies of something like open hearts, open minds, open doors. But there's a reason that open hearts is first. And I think in a lot of ways, whether we want to think of others as closed-minded, whether we want to consider the nature of closed doors that often happens in the space of our church, I want to say that it starts with a closed heart a heart that is closed off to who God is calling us to be. As I look and I read friends, colleagues, acquaintances, complete and total strangers who come after the denomination that I help to lead, who come after the denomination that we are all a part of, I think to, our, I think to myself, it's not because they think our doors are closed, although that's what they say. It's not because they think that our minds are cut off from any new sense of learning. But to me, it's because oftentimes our hearts are closed to who God is truly calling us to be. 
And when we look at a passage like this, we can see the true transformation of what an open heart can do for us. When through the word of God, when through the nature of who Jesus is, we can recognize what it means to be the church. We can look back from this passage to the way that Saul was transformed in his own witness. And we can take this testimony of coming into our faith, being open to what it means to believe in Christ, to now take this a step further. As Paul is now in ministry, as Paul is now going about the ancient Roman world, helping folks to understand who Jesus is. And we can see Paul begin to lay the stones for the early church. And we have Paul here answering this call, going to Philippi, going to Macedonia. As we approach this story, we read it at face value, we may list, miss that deeper lesson. Paul gets this call. Paul, Paul goes, Paul witnesses to a woman and her life is transformed. But let's back up for a minute. Because when we dive deeper, we see a lot more going on here. Right, Paul gets this call to go to Philippi. He's told by this man of Macedonia in this dream, he says, come to Macedonia and help us. I would have been like, can I get a little more information, please? It's not a lot to go on. Macedonia is a big place. Has anybody seen Macedonia? So Macedonia is situated to the north of, of ancient Greece. So if you think about like modern day North Macedonia, which is that little bit of, of land, it's not actually that little, a um, little bit of land above Greece, the kingdom of Macedonia within the nature of the Roman Empire takes up that entire northern area of Greece, goes all the way to the Turkish border, and sitting right in the western part of this country is this big old city of Philippi. And Paul takes this journey there, and all he has is help us. Once Paul makes it to Macedonia, once Paul makes it to Philippi, he is traveling around the city. He is understanding and knowing these people better. And then all of the sudden, on the Sabbath day, he ventures down to the river and sees this group of women engaged in a service of prayer. And Paul and his disciples come and they sit down and begin to have conversations with these women. And for us, one woman is highlighted now, probably for a couple of reasons, it could have been that she was leading the service, and so she was the one who was noted in this, in this text. We could also understand from the nature in which Lydia is described that uh, she was possibly the most well-known of the women. She was a dealer in purple cloth. Purple is the most expensive cloth of the day, and so it could have been her status and role in society, or it could have been the fact that she was the one who wanted to be baptized and thereby becomes a leader in the community by nature of engaging in this sacramental act. But no matter what, we read here that her heart was open, giving us this origin of the Philippian church. Yeah, that's right, the same one that Paul's going to write to in about three or four years. But if we dive deeper into who Lydia is, we don't see a woman who is yearning or desiring to meet Jesus. She has already met Jesus. She knows who Jesus is. 
She knows who God is. She is described as a worshiper of God. And yet it is in this conversation with Paul that she grows deeper in her love for Christ. Right? It says the Lord opened her heart, but depending on how you sometimes translate that passage, it can often also say that her heart was opened to the Lord. I often think and wonder how much that nature comes into our hearts. I wonder how often we truly open our hearts to Christ, to the work that Christ is calling us to do. The lesson in this story, beyond the awesome testament to a woman in Scripture making a difference, beyond the general nature that Paul will eventually write a letter to the future disciples of this church, beyond anything else in this story, it begins with hearts that are truly willing to be a part of something that is bigger A heart open to hearing that while known in the community, a community, a new community can be created. Right? These women have already formed community. They already have their own little church. And yet in an opportunity to learn and grow, to know Jesus more, Lydia takes this opportunity to take it from this small group of women gathering by the river to now engaging in a big church. For, for their day. I don't know how big the Philippian church actually was. I haven't checked EVC lately. That would have killed at a pastor's conference. But now they create a larger scale community in which they can impact change, in which they can learn and grow together. It is an open heart. Truly, this passage represents this idea of open hearts, open minds, open doors. Because if we follow the trajectory of this passage, we see that Lydia's open heart leads her to an open mind as she continues to hear the witness from Paul, as she engages in the sacramental act of baptism. And we see that through her open mind, the door is opened to her household for Paul and his disciples to come and to continue to teach, to preach, to be a part, and to build this community. All around, the definition of open hearts creates a space in which we are willing to grow and go beyond mere faith, but to transform our community, to do the work, to build the kingdom that God is calling us to be a part of right here, right now. The Lord did not physically open Lydia's heart. That'd be very gross. But spiritually, her heart was open for this community so that this community could continue to grow. It is the spiritual connection that Lydia already had with God that laid within her this idea that she could be something more than she actually was. And having this opportunity offered to these women, it offers an opportunity for God's kingdom to occur right there. Right? Lydia brings from this conversation her entire household into the fold, to the waters of baptism, to receive the blessing of the Spirit. And then it becomes Lydia's home, her own household, That becomes the place of community, of worship, and gathering for this church. And so the question falls to us. 
What does it look like for us? Many of us are probably sitting here thinking, but pastor, my heart is open. It's ready. I'm a willing servant of God. I come to church every Sunday. Check. I go to Bible study every, every week. Check. I help to volunteer for missions. Check. Is that necessarily what God is calling us to do? Just check off several boxes in a list that we have. Or is having an open heart about more? Right, I can sit here and I can check all the boxes every day of what it means to be a Christian. I can come and I can lead worship for you all. I can sit in a Bible study. I can worship myself. I can find opportunities to volunteer in mission. And yet when I'm out in the world, what am I doing? Right, well, I work only a certain amount of hours a week. I'm a Christian 100% of the time. I'm only a pastor when I'm on the clock, if we want to call it that. It's kind of weird. But I'm always Christian. My role as a Christian doesn't stop when I walk out those doors my role as a Christian doesn't stop when I turn off my computer at the end of a work day. My role as a Christian doesn't stop when I close my Bible. In fact, if anything, my role as a Christian just begins at every single one of those points. But you see, I have to have an open heart in order to truly understand what that looks like. What does it look like for you? Because I fear that sometimes in the world, the conversation just ends. It never gets started. I'm not saying that having an open heart is going to solve all the world's problems. I wish it could. Might take an extra step. Right? When we look out and we see everything that is going on in the world, we can think to ourselves the way in which the presence of God's kingdom can help to bring healing and reconciliation. Right, a little more than a week ago, a white man walked into a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, and shot and killed, in a racially motivated sense, a black community. As I've listened to news and radio reports about this, I listen and hear the fear that is now existing in this community. We bring these conversations out. We open our own hearts to talking about the sins and evils of the world, to having a true and honest conversation about something like racism. And it's placed not just in our country, but it's placed right here, even in our community, because friends, it exists right here in Suffolk, Virginia. And there is healing and there is reconciliation right here in this place where an open heart, an open mind, an open spirit is needed. Because that community that we read about in Philippi cannot happen if we are not willing to work together as a community to overcome the things that separate and divide us. Right? It's not crying about the various different things. It's not crying about feeling how we've lost our own privilege. It's not crying about any of these things. It is entering into conversation so that we can learn and grow in God's kingdom. 
This is what we see in this early phase of followers of the way. It's what we see here in Acts. It is an opportunity to be open to what community God has intended for us. And when we look at the way that Lydia and these women and Paul and Timothy and his disciples interact in these communities, we see communities who are willing to work together to build up to be a part of the kingdom. And that is the witness of the resurrection that we are called to have. Lydia's faith leads to an open heart so that she can begin to build this community in Philippi for all people who are Philippians. And so too, if we just open our hearts to who God is calling us to be, encounter and engage in those places where hurt and pain can lead to healing and reconciliation, can lead to the true nature of the kingdom experienced right here. It might not solve all the world's problems at once, but friends, we can at least start. And we have to start somewhere. Because I don't know about you, but we're tearing ourselves apart. Because we've taken the mindset instead of open hearts, open minds, open doors. Without even realizing it sometimes. Without even being conscious about it. Sometimes even with the best intentions, we have come at faith with closed hearts, with closed minds, and with closed doors. That's not the example that we get here when we look through Scripture time and time again and we see God working to open the hearts, minds, spirits, and yes, doors in the communities of the early church. It's a call to reflect God's image no matter where we go to carry this witness of resurrection, and to go and be the kingdom for others. Amen.